Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Introducing Carissa Green Industries. Let's get ready to launch. I caught up with Nicole Stevenson, a privacy expert who has a dedicated passion for the world of privacy. We spoke about privacy by design and where she believes the space will evolve to. Nicole, I am so excited to have you on my podcast today because I have been following you online. I know that you have quite the extensive career in privacy. So I'd like to understand more about your journey within this space. Okay, well, um, I began my career in Canada. Uh, if you couldn't tell by my accent, I was fresh out of university and I was very privileged to receive an internship with a privacy regulator. And after just a few weeks in what I thought was a really interesting public policy space, I was pretty much hooked. And so I spent the next roughly 10 years of my career in that same kind of environment, working on developing or implementing privacy legislation. So having that on the ground leadership focus and then the regulatory oversight space where I had the opportunity to review what government bodies were doing with personal information and provide assistance to those who were struggling and, and try to deal in a meaningful way with complaints or concerns raised by the community. And then I think operating in, in that, that sort of operational and oversight space early in my career gave me really huge insight in terms of how public policy around privacy ought to be created and about the importance of including community expectations in any efforts to set rules around how we govern, and particularly whether it's our governments, our cities, our industry. But in terms of managing personal information, that community component um, became really relevant to me. Mm-hmm. So in more recent years, I've, I've been running a boutique privacy consultancy that's based in Queensland. And I actually find this work to be immensely rewarding. Uh, I now have time, actually, to volunteer within this industry and give back to it where I can. Um, So, look, at risk of being too long-winded, I must say that I'm really fortunate to have found a career that offers so much variation and so many pathways because I'm always learning something new and finding that new privacy rabbit hole to dive down. Okay, cool. So, you know, you spoke about rewarding career. Can you dive into a little bit more about what that means? Do you mean more rewarding on the community side of things and you feel that you're giving giving more back because you're not working as so many hours? Oh, look, I don't think it's about the amount of hours worked. I think it's more about the quality of what I feel I'm able to contribute. So Mm -hmm. when you work, say, in an embedded public policy space, say you're you're working within government, working on particular projects, Mm -hmm. that's your job and your focus is there. And I'm finding now that being in my own consultancy gives me a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of freedom in terms of the kinds of projects that I'm involved in, mm-hmm. as well as the ability to volunteer in spaces that I find really interesting or areas that I think would benefit from having a little bit more visibility from a privacy perspective. So an example of something that I find really rewarding is the area of digital policy. And that's that associated with um, a charity that a colleague of mine runs in um, the U.S. and Canada, and it relates to the protection of children in online spaces. 
and the digital policy that's associated with that. So there are mm-hmm. privacy considerations, security considerations, trust and safety considerations, all bundled up in one. And I have the opportunity to volunteer in that area in an mm-hmm. advisory capacity. And that I find rewarding because as you know, a mom, it matters mm-hmm. to me what happens to the personal information of my children online. Mm-hmm. But it's not an area that I typically am able to work in because my projects take me on a, you know, a different tangent. So having the opportunity to volunteer in that ancillary space is fantastic. I 100% agree with you. Privacy is an area that I feel that I'm I'm very curious about and I feel that a lot of people, especially that that I talk to that are outside of security or technology, don't really understand what that means. And I know that we all know what privacy is, but can you explain how we understand it in a business context? Because I know it's sort of changed face. Look, it has. I think in the 1980s, the OECD released fair information principles, which were related to the idea of privacy being a basic right or freedom that a person ought to be able to enjoy. So that could be the right to be left alone or the right to be free from unnecessary intrusion into our personal life. And that became the way that privacy was conceptualized when privacy laws were starting to be constructed the world over. What's happening now, though, with the digital economy is that privacy is morphing. And what perhaps used to matter to us as individuals or even to us as businesses is changing a little bit. So I find that talking about what privacy means for us as individuals often is very useful in for businesses in terms of breaking down what privacy means in their business context particularly mm-hmm. if a business is involved with some kind of work that involves the personal information of individuals, whether it's providing a service, providing a benefit, um, mailing something to or from being an information broker, whatever it is they do. So I often talk about privacy in four different contexts. I talk about privacy in terms of, say, the personal bubble that a person has, right? Right. Their, their own personal space that they occupy, their home perhaps, or their office. I also talk about privacy in terms of a person's body or their inner self. That could be something like DNA, physical or mental health or feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, an area where it's very relevant for businesses is communications. So the methods that are used to communicate as, as well as what I choose to communicate and to whom. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in terms of information my identity and what's known about me. And if you think about privacy in those contexts, there's a real challenge, right, with defining what it is because everyone has a different point of view or a threshold in relation to what they consider to be private. So where privacy to some people might be about that old idea of the right to be left alone, for others, and particularly those who are more engaged with the digital economy, say they're consumers or they're using social media as a primary form of communication, mm-hmm. it might be more about the ability to exercise choice or control in terms of what happens to the information about them. So for businesses, they're lucky in a way because privacy laws, as they 
are amended over the years or as we receive new ones in the global space, such as the European Union's um, General Data Protection Regulation, mm-hmm. we find that the understanding of that amorphous idea about privacy is then made more concrete because it's mm-hmm. set out in law. So here in Australia, for example, privacy is regulated by the Federal Privacy Act 1988 and then the various state and territory privacy regimes. And if we consider then that those laws reflect the way in which that concept of privacy that I just talked about, like our rights and freedoms and civil liberties, has been made understandable, how it's defined, how we can act on it, then we sort of have a a slightly simple but relevant way of describing privacy, which is that it's about protecting personal information in accordance with the fair information principles that underpin our laws. And if businesses look at privacy that way, that it's a thing they can do as opposed to an amorphous concept, I find that to be very helpful. Do you think that businesses, well, Australian businesses are actually looking at that way or do you still feel that there is a lot of ambiguity around the changing face of privacy? Oh, look, I think sometimes there is ambiguity. Uh, I think sometimes that's because individuals within a business are looking mm-hmm. at privacy from a personal perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to from the perspective um, that the rules set out. So, for example, the privacy rules in Australia talk about how personal information must be managed throughout its life cycle. And that's going to include things like having transparency of information handling practices. It's going to set requirements for or limits on collecting, using and disclosing personal information. It's going to describe requirements in relation to storage and security of personal information. It's going to allow members of the community access to and correction of their own personal information. There may be rules around anonymity. There will be a mechanism for a person to complain about how their personal information is treated by the business. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are those data breach handling and notification requirements. And I do see that businesses are focused a lot on data breach handling and Mm -hmm. notification. And when they think of privacy, that's what they often think of. But the areas that I've described just now, such as transparency and limits on collection use and disclosure, those are equally relevant components of privacy protection. No, you're 100% right. And I I think perhaps maybe because of the new regulation that came in, people will be getting pinged by the government if they are in breach. So maybe there has been a focus on that because of that reason. Maybe that's a driving factor. But I'd like to jump into, now you, t- you spoke about the life cycle. Now, privacy by design, this is still a, a new concept that companies are slowly adopting. Can you talk me through about how you go about getting an organization to incorporate this within their privacy strategy? So would you believe that privacy by design is not actually a new concept? It was first coined in the 1990s by a lady named Dr. Anne Kavukian. And this was during her tenure as the Privacy Commissioner of Ontario in Canada. And at the time, it was a revolutionary way of thinking because it required that the status of privacy, that being the protection of personal information through its life cycle, 
be elevated within government and organizations and elevated to a point where it would become a critical touchstone at all stages of a project or an initiative or a policy or a new technology or whatever it is that you're doing that involves personal information. And essentially, it's about building privacy in as opposed to bolting privacy on as an afterthought Mm -hmm. or a remediation measure right after things have gone terribly wrong. But it's more than just that. It's about privacy becoming part of the ethos of an organization. It's a way of thinking as opposed to just being a compliance exercise. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, I think the rollout of the EU general data protection regulation, uh, which is heavily focused on privacy by design and by default, has mm-hmm. definitely brought Dr. Kabukian's work into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. But outside of the GDPR, we can see and have seen for a number of years in the privacy profession, some micro examples of privacy by design all over the world, such as wherever privacy impact assessments are required by law or heavily encouraged by regulators, that's mm-hmm. privacy by design. Or where companies have the foresight to appoint a chief privacy officer, where the, their role is tasked with ensuring that privacy visibility is there that privacy awareness is there and that there's a vetting of the various directions companies might wish to take in terms of personal information. But to get back on track in terms of your question, I think privacy by design requires a strategic commitment to see that it's done, to see it through, to have some pretty frank conversations about what happens to personal information and whether that's good enough. So it's as much about building a culture of privacy as it is about completing privacy compliance related tasks. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. for the uninitiated, I often would ask the following questions as a starting point. I would ask, do you have a privacy vision for the organization? Do you have a person in the C-suite or some other senior and empowered leadership role who will champion privacy for the organization? How visible is privacy strategically in your organization? And do you know what privacy laws apply to you? Now, usually by that point, the pennies dropped and there are any number of desirable strategic and operational privacy outcomes that can be brought to the table and then designed for. Mm-hmm. I got you. Okay. Now, just the privacy law do you think that people aren't aware about that, that they're not really sure when it comes to the laws around their privacy for that particular organization? Well, I think it can be really challenging, particularly mm-hmm. in the digital economy, because we're not just doing business within our own borders anymore. So mm-hmm. a few years ago, for example, the the relevance of these trans-border data flows, the relevance of the way that we do business online, where borders are fluid. They don't actually exist in -hmm. that connected online space. How we then deal with the protections around personal information becomes a bit muddy. You know, if our business is in Australia and we're required to comply with Australia's Privacy Act, we probably get that. But if our business provides services to people in the EU Mm -hmm. and those services involve personal information, all of a sudden, the general data protection regulation is also going to apply to that business, to that information processing activity. That's right. And a number of businesses find that really challenging. Even determining whether or not the law applies to them can be tricky. 
mm-hmm. and is, is a point at which businesses really ought to be getting legal advice. There was there was a lot of talk around it when it came out, the GDPR stuff. And then I still feel like there is, like we said, a bit of ambiguity there. But hopefully over time we'll be able to see that gap closing because we people in the security industry in particular are making that quite uh, uh, prominent within uh, our industry. But the other thing that you mentioned before was way of thinking. Now, we talk about this from a security point of view in terms of the compliance. So, for example, when people talk about pen testing, we say, do you want to tick in the box or do you actually want a proper pen test? What would be sort of more of a thorough way of ensuring that people are doing privacy the right way versus just getting the tick in the box and then moving on? Well, I do think it comes back to that whole notion of privacy by design, mm-hmm. that privacy is built into the culture of an organization as opposed to being a compliance exercise. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I raise probably until I'm blue in the face. I think without having that cultural component and that true buy-in at the strategic level of an organization, privacy is not going to be done successfully. I think it requires understanding on the part of the employees in the organization about what may constitute, for example, a privacy risk. Mm -hmm. It involves understanding even things like what types of personal information you deal with in your business context. So... I I talked about this recently, actually, at a security event. There's often a misunderstanding about privacy versus security. Mm -hmm. And there's the idea that, all right, well, if we have secured our data broadly, then we have privacy taken care of. And I don't think this is quite true because privacy is a much bigger topic. And it's about the protection of personal information, not all data, the personal stuff within the context of its whole life cycle. So from the moment it's brought into an organization to be stored, used, collated, shared, um, disclosed in some other way, that is part of the information life cycle, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just about the security component. Privacy also relates to the expectations of the community that you serve. So if as an organization you're looking at, at it from purely a compliance perspective, you're not, you're not really understanding the point. The point is that all of us are individuals within society. All of us have to give our personal information in order to receive a service or a benefit or an outcome. And we do that in exchange for the promise that whoever has our personal information will take care of it and they won't misuse it. Mm-hmm. Now, if businesses haven't designed for privacy properly, if it's not part of their ethos, it's not part of the way that they think, I think a business is going to fall down there. No, you, you, you're very right when you, when you talk about that because I think it is, I guess, even from a security point of view as well, like it's, it's a similar mindset, it's a similar type of thinking but it should be noted that just because everything's secure, privacy is its own, it has its own section. So it needs to be looked at in a different way. But just moving along now, where do you sort of see the privacy space evolving? Considering most companies nowadays are being deemed as tech companies and things are all digital and are online, where do you sort of see that becoming potentially an issue in the future? 
Okay, so full disclosure, privacy is a big deal to me. And the, <laughs> the protection of personal information and, and the governance that underpins that, that's my career. It's my bread and butter. But it's also something that as a human, I'm passionate about. It's the human side that I think our companies, our governments and our organizations are becoming more alive to now. And I, I think the attention paid to privacy is perhaps less about companies using or selling tech and more about the fact that there's a common currency. Some might even consider it fuel for the operation of these companies. And that's personal information. That's the data of you and me. That's mm -hmm. our contact information, our education details, our preferences. It's our shopping history, our web browsing patterns. It's how much money we make and what we do with it. It's whether we have a mortgage, whether we have insurance or a health hiccup that might prevent us from accessing that insurance. It's the details of our faces. Or even for those of us who are budding genealogists, it's the DNA that we've supplied to Ancestry.com. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to see privacy operating alongside other complementary disciplines in a much more obvious and deliberate way as the digital economy evolves. I see privacy and cyber holding hands for sure, uh, as well as data ethics and trust. So as an example, the Australian government through the CSIRO currently has a discussion paper out that's focused on artificial intelligence and machine learning mm -hmm. and how these advances in technology can be underpinned by a robust ethics framework. But to have such a framework, those with expertise in privacy, in security, in data ethics, trust, and a number of other niche disciplines are going to have to weigh in. So I think it's an exciting time for privacy for sure. It's also one where a number of privacy professionals, myself included, are really feeling the weight of our responsibility. And what do you mean by feeling the weight in terms of what's what's sort of on the horizon for your for you guys, or more about that uh, the workload? Or no, so the weight of responsibility in this context is there's a lot happening right mm -hmm. in the yep. space where personal information is at stake. So the example that I gave about artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, if there's going to be a framework that underpins those activities, mm -hmm. it's really important that those who are articulating the framework first have an adequate understanding of what privacy is in the context of artificial intelligence and machine mm -hmm. learning and yes. how privacy can help to support whatever that framework is. Mm -hmm. Now, if people like me and my colleagues don't weigh in on those discussions mm -hmm. and privacy is misconceptualized or not taken seriously enough, there's a real potential that the community that we serve could be let down. So that's what I'm talking about in terms Got of you. the way of okay. responsibility. No, you're 100% right. And I think because it's things are coming out all the time, like new technology, new way of doing things. So it's going, it's, it's, I guess, even from a security point of view, it's this ever, we've got to keep keeping up with all everything that's coming out. So I do appreciate the work that you guys do because it is something that I, I value a lot. And I think it's something that definitely needs to have close attention uh, from an executive, but even as an individual as well. But where should we, I guess from a security point of view, be focusing from a privacy and trust perspective? And what advice can you provide to some of our listeners? Okay, so instead of answering your question from an outward-looking perspective, 
as in what issues, areas that I might consider to be hot buttons, I'd really like to focus on the internal because Mm -hmm. I think it has real value in terms of how we think about privacy organizationally. Now, in the privacy profession, I've learned that much can be accomplished when privacy becomes a topic of opportunity rather than a roadblock. So it's progress rather than obstruction. It's so like hatching flies with honey. Mm -hmm. Internally within our governments and our organizations and businesses, I think we need to have that mindset that privacy is an opportunity to handle personal information in accordance with the law and also to meet various community expectations associated with that. It's the meeting of or even exceeding expectations then that's going to help build and maintain trust. And privacy is also an opportunity to really understand your business, whatever it is, in the context of personal information. So what do you need? Who is it about? How much do you need? Where is it stored? How can you keep it secure? Is it necessary for it to be identifying or can you anonymize it somehow? Mm -hmm. And privacy is also an opportunity to know who within your business has a key role to play in privacy. And I think there's tremendous benefit from having a number of privacy skilled, but clearly cross-functional privacy touch points from these areas. Um, For example, legal or legislative policy, ethics, human resources, risk management, complaints management, uh, information security, absolutely. But also your ICT folks, right? The guys Mm -hmm. that, that procure and deploy the tech, internal audit, information asset management, records management, and communications or media. Mm -hmm. So there's there's really incredible breadth within our organizations to focus on concerns around privacy and to build community trust in that regard. And the idea that we might have the opportunity in our businesses to create little pods of privacy expertise or even pods of expertise where you can see how complementary the disciplines are. So privacy and cyber, for example, uh, it's like privacy and cyber professionals stand back to back with their swords out fighting the same fight. And the idea that we might be able to make this more obvious within our organizations, I think will be tremendous, not just for the organizations themselves, but also for the industry. Wow, that was uh, that was that was very insightful. I appreciate that, and I really appreciate the privacy champion. I think I remember working in an organization in the day back in the day, and we had the security champion. So uh, I do resonate with a lot of the a lot of the things that you have said today, and I really appreciate you taking the time to explain that because I do feel like I do get a lot of questions around this topic, and and it's. And it's something that that is changing face within Australia simply because of the regulations and things like that coming out. So I do appreciate you providing that detail. But lastly, how can people reach out to you if they want to know more about you being the the privacy person that you, what did you say earlier? You said, oh, I obviously I really love and live and breathe what I do. So it makes sense that if someone has a privacy question that they should reach out to you. Well, there are a few ways, an an obvious way and one that's often quite comfortable for people within our professions is to just find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Another area is to come and visit my website, ground.privacy.com.au. Have a look at what I do and send me your queries if you have any. 
And I I do think if you don't mind, I'd love to give a plug to the Privacy Matters podcast, which is something that I operate through the Internet of Things Security Institute. And that podcast focuses on privacy in the context of deploying IoT for smart cities and critical infrastructure. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking the time and to explain a little bit more what privacy means uh, to our listeners. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. We're looking forward to bringing frequent snippets of what's happening in the security and emerging tech industries. If you think there's someone I should be speaking with, even if it's you, reach out to media at carissabreenindustries.com and we'll try to make it happen.